Welcome everyone to Being Experiential Podcasting. I'm Bethany Evans and I'm here with my co-host Erin Pruitt along with some other ladies. So who are these ladies, Erin? We are super excited to introduce a group of women who are part of our Wild and Messy book club based on the book Untamed written by Glennon Doyle. So welcome ladies! (laughs) And the reason why, so last, for those of you who are listening, have been listening forever to us, and those of you who are like, what the hell, I'm listening for the first time. This is our second book club. The first one we did a, a pussy, no, not a pussy, pussy, a reclamation. Yes. And that was Bethany's pick. And then it's my turn, and my pick is Untamed. And it's really about a one woman's uh, memoir, Glennon Doyle's memoir, of uh, the process of being uncaged from expectations, her own need to feel to do what's right, what's good, what is it is to be a woman, what it is to be a heterosexual woman who doesn't want to be heter, you know, whatever. We'll get into that in a second. I'm getting too detailed. But the idea is reason why Bethany and I, no, 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 Bethany and I created a panel was because we want to deepen the conversation around the book and really give everyone space to hear different stories, different journeys about what it is and what it looks like to be untamed for each of you. So I want to welcome the ladies. Welcome, ladies. And (laughs) if you wouldn't mind, could you share your name, your age, and your astrological sign? Because I'm nosy. And (laughs) it matters to me asking every fucking person. (laughs) Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first real quick. I am, my name is Trina and I am 50 and I am a Libra. Yay. I'm Kelly. I'm 61. I'm a Scorpio Capricorn rising Libra moon. (laughs) Nice. Following up on that, I'm Michelle. I am 48 and I'm a Leo. Ooh, wow. Delilio, if that means anything, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Kayla. Oh, go Kayla. Go Kayla. Go Kayla. Hi, I'm uh, 37 and I am a Sagittarius. I'm Jordan. I'm 30 and I am a crab. <laughs> I think that's, oh no, we have two water signs. Okay. Uh, I'm MK. I'm 39. I'm an Aries sun, Sag moon, Sag rising. So I'm a triple fire. Oh, dang. We so don't have any- know who's going to go head to head with someone, right? <laughs> we don't have any earth. What? We don't. In yeah. our world, that is almost being a little bit prejudicial. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, right? We don't have earth represented in this group. Hey, yeah, yeah. Here's our first question. So we asked all of you if you'd be open to joining us on this book club and in this panel in particular, why the hell did you say yes? I said yes because I was glad it wasn't the pussy book club. (laughs) (laughs) Trina's my sister. So Trina's the oldest of five kids. So me being the middle. Trina, were you scared also what book would come after? Yeah, yeah, I felt this was the safest bet, and I think I think you kind of knew knew too. So I think you threw me a threw me a good one. Hopefully, we'll see. 
<laughs> four episodes anything can happen <laughs> anyone else want to share why they said yes i said yes because of the pussy club i was astonished by the engagement uh by women i mean it it struck a chord and i was just touched with how many people were were touched by the book and the contents and themselves, but I, <laughs> I mean, it was really incredible to watch from the Facebook group. Um, and so I thought, you know, I want to, I want to get into some juicies and community. Nice. Mm. Well, Thanks, I'm, I'm Michelle, I'm Aaron's cousin and Aaron, I had done one of your, um, what was it? That meditation? Yeah. Night? One of the series meditations. Yeah. That was super cool. I really liked it. It was really fun. And I thought, and then you had invited me to do this afterwards and um, you've done some readings for me in the past. And I thought I'm going to give it a shot. And it was funny because Trina and I both had said yes, independently of one another. Yeah, No but, idea. But the fact that we were both doing it was like, that made me feel like more comforted. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if Trina's gonna do it, I could do it. Yes. Come on. It was Same interesting because after the meditation, during the meditation, some point you were talking, and I got like, oh, she needs to be invited to the book to the panel. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Like, I'm sure she's like, what? I was just trying to fucking breathe, girl. Like, I don't need to be <laughs> well, doing I mean, anything it's funny else. Because one of my gr best girlfriends was in Chicago. And she had sent me a text a few weeks before I had done that. And she was like, have you read this Untamed by Glennon Dole? And I was like, I haven't. And she's like, I, everyone keeps saying I should read it. And I was like, me too, me too. And then you sent me the invitation to be a part of it. And I thought, okay, well, I, I mean, three times, right? That's the rule, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm supposed to read it. <laughs> what had you, MK, Kayla, or Jordan say yes? I love a good lesbian story, to be honest, <laughs> like, especially like her. So I've, I've been kind of holding off on Glennon Doyle just because there was a bandwagon for a long time mm. and I didn't necessarily want to dip my toe into that water, but I get it just out of that 40 pages. Um, but just her background in general is just so unique and broad and like she changed up her whole persona basically from the book before this mm -hmm. uh because of abby really mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. well not just because of abby but i think it was like a catalyst for her so yeah 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 also i'm a sucker for, for book clubs i'm kind of addicted to them i was like <laughs> i was i was in like three of them over covid mm -hmm. and like you know i just the community aspect of it mm -hmm. i've been on you know, locked down forever. I'm one of those like COVID <laughs> creatures. So yeah. Oh, good. And you see, for me, this is my first book club ever. So I mean, this is exciting. Wait, wait, popping a cherry? Me too. Me too. I've never been in a book club. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. two cherries on one. Jordan too. Good. Ooh, too bad it wasn't the pussy book club. <laughs> the best part is is like most of the book clubs that I join only women and not I'm not like you know it doesn't matter I love women don't get me wrong but I'm not one of those that's like seeking it out it just happens to be the case mm -hmm. so mm. I love that too 
Yeah. What about you, Jordan? Um, it's at my first book club as well. Shut the fucking front door. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I had um oh I had um Jessica come up to me, who most of you know, um, and was like, hey, last year she's like, You need to read Untamed, you need to read, you know, read Untamed. And I was like, Okay, yeah, sure. And then finally Bethany reached out to me and I was like, Okay, universe, let's read it. <laughs> So, oh. I don't think Kayla, you told us, sorry, I was gonna say, I didn't think you told us why you joined. I think. Well, yeah, the reason why I joined is because anytime either one of you asked me to do anything, I just <laughs> jump at it. Like I'm such a yes. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't even, you don't have to tell me what it is. You just say, Kayla, can you show up here this time? Yeah. Because <laughs> I just always have such a great experience and whatever activities that I do. And I would just find that every time I have a chance to work with any of you ladies, it's an opportunity for me to have some sort of growth. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just all about that. And then it's just, this book is all about growth. So, you know, it's just kind of perfect for that. And we, and just so from the book club, uh, people are are listening to it and reading it and everyone has an opinion about her voice. So I just want to put it out there. If you get the audio version. I like her voice. I I do too. (laughs) I think it's Mm -hmm. funny that you guys, some of you were like, have an issue with it. I loved it because I think Kelly brought it up first and started a whole chain of like, oh, thank thank God, girl. Me too. Oh, what the (laughs) hell is up with that voice? And I'm like, what? And then someone else didn't, someone post an interview with her where she addresses the tone of her voice or something in it. Yeah. Yeah. Mel did. Yeah. (laughs) Like she explains it. I have to watch them. How do you explain the tone of your voice? (laughs) That's just the tone of your voice. I mean, (laughs) she's just small and breathy and squeaky. I mean, so little. She's terrible. (laughs) She is little, though. She's very tiny. She's tiny. She comes from your planet, Bethany. I guess so, huh? How tall is she? Although she's a lot skinnier than I am. I am not that skinny. But you're you're not that far. I'm sure her size compared to me and her size. Okay, <laughs> I could break her. You would be from her but family. She oh, she yeah, yeah. with eating disorders her whole life. Does That's true. Yeah, like yes. I mean, Bethany, you seem like you're. I don't know your whole body, but you seem like a very healthy looking person. So. No, yeah, I love to eat. I don't like, know if I could do that. Like. <laughs> the therapist michelle's like listen i'm a therapist here let's yeah. just identify let's let's not normalize <laughs> eating disorders in here. a while <laughs> no i'm just a i'm just a person who's like trying to be kind to my own body so yeah I'm just like if bethany has a problem with her body what hope is there for i mean the i know <laughs> what yeah everyone has an issue with their body doesn't it's crazy oh my god <laughs> yeah you want to ask the other question what was the other question Oh, it's your turn. Oh, okay. So we're, <laughs> we're awkwardly transitioning now. Um, okay. So the beginning of the book starts out where she talks about Tabitha, the story of the cheetah and how her and her family were watching this cheetah, at, I think was it at a zoo or somewhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And she talks about it multiple times throughout the book, but the whole thing is, you know, they tried to normalize Tabitha being like she was caged and that that was safe and that was normal for her and she didn't know how to be in the wild and she wouldn't survive um yet they witnessed her you know tapping into her wild while there so 
what we want to know is, has anyone did, how did you guys relate to that story? And like, have you ever felt caged in your life and how, and maybe share a little bit of the story about when, and maybe how you got out of it? I'm not starting this one this time. (laughs) (laughs) I I regret having a fire sign too. I'm going to (laughs) wait. Well, Erin, do you have a story? Oh yeah. Maybe share yours. Mine is, um, I, so I'm going to go way back. So I, to go deep. So I'll burst the break the whatever fuck okay so when I was in high school I shared for the first time at a public forum that I was molested as a child I integrated it into speech class my freshman year nothing like and I remember being like as I was explaining I don't even remember what my reason I don't even know what the topic was but I decided I need to explain this at 14 to a bunch of teenagers and in a Catholic school at Notre Dame. Oh God. And I think for me, it was an extension of owning my process and not giving a fuck who was in front of me. I almost like, I swear, I probably almost threw up and peed myself. But it was my first time saying, I have had things that happened to me and I'm not going to be quiet. I don't care who I'm with. I don't care if I crush on you. I don't care if you're the social group I'd love to be in and I haven't gotten there yet, I'm going to say my truth. And I think that I don't remember at all how it landed because I've got a bunch of out of body, but I remember walking away being so like, that's what truth feels like. Speaking my truth feels like in a room where a lot of people probably struggle speaking their truth. So that's the first time I think I did that kind of like, we all behave a certain way like Tabitha and I'm just not going to do that mm-hmm. yeah like keep the social norms yeah yeah well Aaron don't you think you actually <clears throat> started that with the court case when you testified I mean that was bold yeah a little background is um so I when I was molested it was in the early 80s so like they didn't run really not have it figured out and actually Michelle's dad was key he was a f- uh, police officer in LA city and he really guided my parents and me through this whole, like shepherd us through this process. And what I think, but I don't know. I think I was pushed by my parents. I'm really encouraged by my parents. Like, Hey, say something, but I don't know if I didn't, I chose it in high school, like independent of anyone else. Like there's no reason I could have said any story, but I chose that story. And I think, and I chose that story, not because it was going to have an outcome because it was just my truth. So yeah. that's where I feel like it was a little like, and it was in my truth inside of like, you know, I'm in a cage with cheetahs pretending they're not cheetahs all acting like dogs. And I'm going to say, I'm a fucking cheetah. I don't care if you want to pretend. Cause I, um, I, I so. don't know if this is the accurate, this Michelle, I don't know if this is like the accurate, like what actually happened, but I feel like when that had first happened and it, there was first the like court situation and everything, it was like there was a lot of talk around it and there was a lot of activity around it. But then it was like, then we didn't talk about it mm. for years, right? Like, I feel like as a family, it was kind of like, everyone was like, okay, so you're good now, right? Like, yeah. Right? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, probably. Good? Like, right? And then there was like this, like, so to hear you say that, like, I didn't know you had done that in high school, but that, that kind of makes sense to me because mm. I'm like, 
I don't feel like we ever talked about it afterwards. I feel like it was just kind of like, yeah, like, okay, good. Like we're all, we're all good. Right. Yeah. Is that, and I wonder if that's a global thing where you have, you are any of you in families or been in families where it's like this traumatic thing. Cause my family, like our families had to talk to the same schools. Michelle's dad was helping provide. And then it's like, Oh wait, we put it to bed. Oh, we're all good. And then close the door. MK, I saw you moving your head. Yeah. You moved. I did move. <laughs> um, I think most, most everyone here knows kind of the, the, they don't. Well, okay. So outside of this group, probably not. So, um, my family is interesting for fu- high functioning, but also really dysfunctional at the same time. Um, everyone kind of moves in their own energy fields. And then when we bump up next to each other, it kind of tends to be this like huge combustion nuclear like event. Um, so when my brother passed away, he unfortunately died of a drug overdose. We were, we were all operating in a combustion nuclear zone. So it was like really hard for us to operate individually and as a family. Um, and then once everything kind of settled, we didn't talk to each other for like weeks. So I came back to California. My family lives on the East coast. So it was like this weird, like, I guess we're, we did, we like all these traumas came up out of it too. So it wasn't like this one event circling around it. It was like this one event was the catalyst for all these other things to like, mm. you know, my mom and dad were blaming each other. I, they were blaming me. They were blaming my sister. I was blaming everybody type of thing. So, um, and then we didn't talk about, we haven't talked about that situation ever, ever. So mm. I still think about it. Um, And do you think that's like a cage? Like as, uh, what would you, like, how would, how does that feel like a cage to you? Like when you look at like, because your brother died, how many years ago? It'll be five in July. And so it's been five years. How does that feel like a cage for you in your life? I think personally, um, you know, it's like one of those, it's a bittersweet thing because he had been an addict for almost 10 years. So like at the same time that he was an addict, we were all mourning him going. Right. So it was like this very long and drawn out thing process. Like I would imagine to be similar to someone that has dementia, right? Like mm-hmm. you just grieve them as they're still here. Mm-hmm. So I was caged. They, they call it like the long goodbye, right? Long goodbye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think in that span of time, I couldn't focus on anything else. So I was really just caged in that like trauma for so long that once he passed away, that release happened. And I oddly was like happy that there was resolution. Did I want it to be that resolution? No, but you know, like I was, I was so narrowly focused on like fixing him and like, trying to be there for everybody that I forgot how to live outside of these things. Like I was a, I was a horrible partner. I can't believe Sean married me, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I didn't really get that. I didn't really understand what it meant to like be authentic until I didn't feel like I have to live for other people. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'll share a little bit with the caged part, which was interesting for me. And this is Trina. Um, you and I think we probably Michelle and would, would be able to relate. Um, we grew up. I grew up. 
um, in an Irish Catholic uh, family, oldest of five, oldest of both sides of the grandkids. So there were one side of the family, 19, I believe, the other mm-hmm. side, and 11 the first- or 12 girl first what first girl so I was the first of everything 30 years right yeah it was a big yeah because it was mostly boys and stuff and what I remember when she wrote in the book um she had that list and I have it of course I highlighted it but what popped out for me um was definitely you know the adults in my life were you know be quiet uh you know, stay small, we'll call you when we need you, you know, there was a lot of that. And really, the big thing which stood out for me was, you know, approval came from that, you know, approval came from following those rules. And um, stepping outside of those things got you in a lot of trouble one way or the other, it didn't get you the kind of approval. And I was craving any form of approval because you're one of many in a house of five. So you're always looking for that, but it's, uh, but because you want approval, you're willing to stay in the cage for a very long time because it's, it feeds you, you get fed. And I really got that with the cheetah, the first, when I saw that, I was like, oh shit, I'm in for right now. (laughs) I mean, I really did because it hit, it hit like a ton of bricks for me that that part mm. yeah what what about that like I'm thinking when you say that saying this is Michelle I'm thinking remember when you cut your we, we were playing they had this really cool big old house when we were kids and we used to play hide and seek and there was all these cool places to hide Remember when you cut your leg really bad mm-hmm. in the closet? I was hiding as far back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trina was hiding real far back in the closet, and there had been like, like open broken. Glass or a, it was a glass that they were going to replace, and they yeah, never did and, or like something. A, yeah, yeah. And so she cut her. And I remember, remember what your parents both said. They both like yelled, and maybe it was all of our parents yelled up. There better be blood. And we they were did. like, there is blood. <laughs> one there's a lot of blood. <laughs> but you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred because it really was a lot of screaming. Herself. Yeah. Right. That's kind of how and it worked. Like, yeah, there don't bother the adult. Blood. <laughs> mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was you're right. like, as you were just and there was talking, a lot was of blood. Like, and <laughs> I was like, we all Oh my god, Michelle, that's amazing. Yeah, that's funny. That's so I think it's a really good point. Justifying like, oh, because I'm making noise, because I'm disrupting the adults around me, I better fucking have something important to say, something that's or I better be suffering in a way that they can't ignore it. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we we grow up caging like that with your observation or your question about, is that normal to just not talk about things like that? Well, yeah, it is probably in most families because we don't want to bring up that. We don't want to reopen that wound or we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable by bringing something uncomfortable up. And that's what we're taught is not to make Mm -hmm. other people uncomfortable. (laughs) So yeah, that's what I love about this book. I'm going to ask another question unless someone wants to talk about where they felt caged. I'll, I'll share. Um, this is Jordan. Hi. Um, there better be blood. I was told not to bleed on the carpet. Uh huh. My brother and I were wrestling. Or if you cut yourself. (laughs) Probably anything. Either or, either or. Wow. Definitely not menstruating because that's your fault, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
I was, we were just rough housing my brother and I, and uh, I kind of like cut myself and my aunt yelled at me, you better don't bleed on the carpet. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm fine. Thanks. But, right. but we had, you know, I grew up in a very religious home as well. And it was, um, it's, there's so obviously they're super judgmental. And so like, they don't know this side of me, the healing, spiritual, hippie side. I mean, they see that like, you know, sometimes I don't shave my armpits or I don't wear a bra and they're like, well, there goes Jordy, you know, but, (laughs) um, for the most part, you know, I'm still, I, I like have to walk into their cage when I'm around them, but you know, I, 30 I'm like you don't you don't get to see me you don't get to see me uncaged like that's that's a treat and if you know if you want to see that then you know you're gonna have to do some damn work too fam (laughs) yeah or accept you as that you know as as a part of you because that's really Mm -hmm. what it is we don't accept the the wild parts of ourselves or other people because it's scary and you're gonna have to you're going to have to let me bleed on the carpet. Pretty yeah, much. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. We're going to bleed on the carpet. <laughs> pee on the but carpet. Do you, <laughs> do you wonder ever, I pose this to everybody, but do you ever think, you know, part of, and maybe this is what we have to talk ourselves into when we get older and whether you do therapy or whatever you do in your life to kind of make peace with those things in your childhood, especially once it's put in, it's encapsulated around a cage, you know, when you really start thinking that way, that, parents you tell yourself all this time there's a reason why they do these things it's a man it's a it's a form of control because they're just trying to manage what they're managing but I it's interesting how I'm in a place in my life you know where I feel a lot of peace around a lot of parts of my childhood but I'm also kind of questioning speaking about it as well because that feels like part of the process not having the anger as much as the voice and being able to just say this happened and feeling, you know, validated, but also questioning, which kind of feels sometimes like a grooming process parents might have in terms of this aspect of, of where I feel caging starts. Mm. I think in a lot of families, I feel like that's kind of, and sometimes it's just, again, out of maintaining peace, you know, because they're going nuts for whatever reason in their own lives, you know? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I think you make a good point, Trina, is that Mm -hmm. is caging family members grooming, Mm -hmm. right? Kelly, you had a pretty crazy upbringing. Would you say it's so in, I mean, inside of your, uh, like for like really tumultuous, like obvious, right? It wasn't just hidden. It was like kids felt it. Did you feel like you were put in a cage? And if so, groomed to be in that cage? No, not particularly because it was too chaotic. I mean, it was Mm. just pretty much try and survive, you know, Mm -hmm. really seriously and try not to let, you know, uh, get your mask on, make sure nobody in the schools or anywhere outside knows what's going on. Um, So no, not, not when I was younger, but I, you know, for me, the caging, what I related to in that was when I decided to leave corporate and move into healing work. I had been groomed by emulating my father in terms of professional, I mean, despite the dysfunction behind the scenes, you know, a strong professional um, moving up the ladder. And then all of a sudden I was making a a very hard right 
And um, that was, I mean, to this day, I have family members still scratching their heads, even though it's been, that was 2003, right? So that would be more of the, the caging that I related to and then the breaking free and everybody thinking I had just absolutely lost my mind. Yeah, I could imagine. I'm glad yeah. you lost your mind, Kelly. Me too. Me too. And that's a really good point. I'm gonna ask a question, but I think it's something to think about. I'm like, do you have to lose your mind or lose your shit to break Mm -hmm. the cage? Mm -hmm. It's something to look at. Okay, I have a so bottom line in the book, Glennon talks about she wrote the first book, Love Warrior, where she talks about her husband. She had bulimia. She was uh, an alcoholic getting sober for when she got pregnant. And then inside that book, she shares that her husband said, I have been having affairs since we got married. And then she ends the book. Like I choose my marriage. We're still struggling, but there's so many great things, blah, blah, blah. Then the book launches and in the launch, Glennon meets Abby, Abby Wombach, who's a retired professional soccer player. And then she's like, hubba, hubba. I want to hump her. I'm in love. Oh my God. What do I do? I'm a married woman, a mother of three children. And to me, what she spends time in this first part of the book is like grappling with that decision. Like, shit, do I stay married? Cause that's what a good mom does. All what she was exploring. Or do I, oh shit, blow this shit up and go after this woman who I don't know if I've ever felt like, well, she pretty much says I've never felt this way. And I was wondering if all of you have had a moment in your life where you're like an oh shit moment, whether you chose like, you know what? I didn't choose to blow shit up or yeah, I did chose choose to blow shit up. Anyone want to (laughs) share? Blow that shit up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll share. Um, this is Bethany, by the way, if you don't recognize my voice. Um, when, yeah, so I was married. We were in a relationship for almost 10 years and we have our son together. And um, there was a point where I realized that we just weren't compatible or I was, I was changing and growing and I felt like the relationship wasn't. And that we had, our son was two at the time. So he was still really little. And it was one of those, oh shit moments where I was like, uh, something needs to change. And I don't think that I'm happy. I don't think that I'm really in love with him. I don't think that he can be the person that I need him to be for me. And I don't think I can be the person he needs either. Um, we did that thing where we kind of just stopped talking about issues, um, and pretended like everything was okay. Put ourselves in cages and became the people we thought we needed for, to be for each other. Um, so yeah, I decided to blow shit up. And, and now I'm a single mom and running a business on my own. And I couldn't be happier. Um, even though it was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life, like took me to, yeah, like the darkest places I've never thought I would be in my whole life. But, um, can you share about myself? Yeah. That moment when you chose or when you did blow shit, like, just give us a little Mm -hmm. sense of, I was, walking down the street. I was driving in the car. (laughs) I was driving in the car and I don't know where I was going. I remember I was driving down Victoria in, uh, Victoria Avenue in Ventura. Ventura. Yeah. And, um, I used to go street. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of the main roads in Ventura. (laughs) So everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, so 
I was probably going to the grocery store because that was like the only time I ever had time to myself. And so I would, grocery shopping was like my, <laughs> was my piece. And um, I just was like, oh my God, I'm not happy. Like, and but look at all these things that I have in my life that supposedly should make me happy. I have a great job. I have a husband. I have a beautiful child. Um, you know, I have everything I need. Like all of my physical needs are met pretty much, but why am I not happy? You know, and it was that there was a disconnection to myself and to my emotional needs and my mental needs and a lot of other needs that I hadn't, didn't really realize that were not getting met. So yeah, it was just, it was very just out of the, out of nowhere while I was driving, like, yeah, I'm not happy with my life. Something needs to change. And then how quickly did you blow shit up? So that was the aha. It took a while. It took months. Um, it was hard, but there was a lot of conversations. Um, I had an affair, which I'm not proud of. Uh, and that, that was like a distraction from actually dealing with it also. Um, so yeah, it took months. It was really hard Mm -hmm. for me. And the divorce was like one of the hardest things I've ever done. Anyone else want to share their blow shit up or not? Dang, that's so hard to follow. I know. I was like, follow that, guys. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Kayla's like, well, there was a donkey one time. And I'm like, oh, what? What about the donkey, Kayla? I mean, I I do hear that, like, divorces for women when they initiate it are really, like, the hardest thing. I've heard that a lot. Um, mine is not, is not, is not like a good one to follow that, but, um, (laughs) in my twenties, I was a hot mess. I mean, who wasn't? Um, and when I got into my late twenties, like I was so depressed and I was also drinking a lot and I recognized I needed to make a change and I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, And then, you know, my parents live on a one lane farm road in the middle of nowhere, rural Maryland. And my mom and I went for a walk. It was winter. And I was just like, I'm going to move to San Diego. I just up and said it. And she was like, I think that's a great decision. (laughs) That was all the ammo I needed. And within three months, my job said, I went to my boss and was like, Hey, I need this to make this change how can I move there and still work for this company? There was an open position. Like the universe just kind of went, whoop, here you go. Um, It was the first time I was ever going to live by myself. So that in itself, when you're a hot mess in your late twenties is really scary. Um, But yeah, I blew shit up. I like moved myself and my dog and my cat, 3000 miles all on my own accord, made everything happen myself. And, um, it was the best decision I ever made. And that was like 10, almost 10 years ago. No, 10 years ago. Mm. So it was the best thing I've ever done for myself. Mm-hmm. But that's when the, that's when the hard work started, right? Like that was the blow shit up yeah. and the hard work. Like the, oh, yeah. that took years therapy. It's the cleaning yeah. up, right? If you think, yeah. about, think about the metaphor of blowing something up, you then have to clean up the mess that you just mm. made. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like also like sometimes you, you blow shit up and the mess is with everyone else's judgment or position on you. And I'm like, 
you deal with it. Like I'm speaking like the person truth. that's walking away from the explosion. They're yeah, just, they yeah. lit the mat and they're just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is anyone like that? Is anyone like when you've done it, you're just like fuck it and like you deal like Mm-mm. and then I turn am. your back yeah. and go. I totally yeah. am. Me. No. Jordan. Yeah, I'm blipped up, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... So I. Yeah, Kayla. Oh. oh, okay. I was just going to yeah. say that um, I have a similar blow it up story as MK, but it's actually the opposite. So I, you know, was born and raised here in Ventura, um, grew up here my whole life. And it was in my early twenties that I made a huge change to pick up and just move to Wisconsin, like the middle. So I went from California. Everyone moves there. Wow. To- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is I grew up, um, my dad was an alcoholic until the day he died. And so we grew up with an alcoholic father and a mother who was an addict. And my mother, um, we didn't find out that she was an addict until after she passed away, which was three, four years ago. But when I was 18 and my sister was 13, she left and she left us with my dad. And so my dad is a very functioning alcoholic, but still, you know, it wasn't the best environment to leave her two daughters. So I grew up real fast, really, really fast and took the role of the mom. So there was, um, I became really caged at that sense, you know, and then it was in my early twenties, probably like 22, where I just made the decision, like. I can't take care of everybody anymore. And I need to start like, what's, what, what do I look like? And then that's when I made the decision to follow a girlfriend who was um, going to school out there and I just needed to do something different. So I just packed all my stuff and told my dad and my sister that I was moving. And then I went and lived two years in Madison and just had the time of my life learning who I was and really gaining sense of that person inside of me so it's a little opposite of of you (laughs) mk but (laughs) i went to the midwest and you know explored and and did that and you both kind of talked about feeling caged feeling like you were like i need something else and then Uh to leave like blowing it up like yeah yeah very much i'll share mine Oh, we oh no, Jordan, please. No, please, Jordan, go. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know if Jordan got to say everything she wanted to say. I yeah. feel like. I, um, last year, almost a year ago, I uh, got into a physical fight with my brother and um, it totally shifted the dynamic of my family. And I feel like I'm no longer like a pawn in like their game of chess, which I don't even think any of them really know how to play chess. So, um, for me, like, that's why I say, just fucking blow it up, blow it up. (laughs) Do you concentrate on you, you know, respect yourself and, you know, you can still love people from afar and from a distance. And again, they don't get to know some aspects of you because it's your choice, what you want to share and what you don't, you know, Mm. but yeah, it was. It was a shift that needed to happen. And even though I'm not as like our family, my family's up each other's ass, like, <laughs> um, you know, and it's, I'm more happy now. Yes. I don't have like that 
crazy family around me and I miss it and it's fun. But at the same time, like I like who I am as a person finally, you know, mm. I like, I'm, and I love being by myself. <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Trina? Um, yeah, I had, well, I, you know, I'm sure it's going to come out as we go through this, um, process, but I've always been more of a rule follower. So, um, when my, oh shit moment happened, it was as big of a surprise to me as it was to everybody, probably other than Aaron, maybe, <laughs> cause I think I texted you when it happened, but, you know, to make a, a longer story short, you know, we had sent our daughter off to college and that experience was just, uh, awful for our family. You know, we were such a tight knit. There's four of us. My daughter's now 26. Oh God, Maddie, I'm sorry if I'm aging you ahead of you. She's going to kill me, but at 25 and then our son's 22. And, um, so when our son was getting ready to go off to college, I was like, fuck this. I cannot do this again. And, you know, my husband and I were going through a lot of shifts and changes in our marriage. And, I was quietly looking at going away for a week or two. And eventually I was on the computer. I was wearing this bracelet that Aaron had given me um, for about two years. And um, I'm looking at tickets to Italy. And um, I looked at a chunk of time and it was one week, two weeks. And next thing you know, I hit by and it was a month in Italy and I left and it was I went by myself I stayed with different people that I met online to have the experience and I have never come close to doing anything like that up to that point in my life ever I've <laughs> and it was the and I don't know why I never canceled it I, I always told Aaron I always felt Chris you know was kind of there like holding mm. my hand off the computer to cancel the, that you know, was the my, trip. that was my question was it it was after Chris had died right yeah. yeah it was after Chris had died and just everything else was going everything was so discombobulated in the world and I just kind of said fuck it I'm doing this for myself and it was it really it was a great bomb it was a really great bomb that went off and I did have a little cleanup to do later on you know with you know, some things, but I, I would do it all over again. Just have that experience. It was a good moment. When you did that and we'll ask the next question, what, and this is for all of you, but I was wondering with Trina is when you do like buying, like I'm going to do something that's against my personality. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something for me and I might not justify it to anyone. Um, and then you have the experience. What does freedom feel like? Oh, I, I put freedom out there. But what does it feel like when you do that and you literally like, people are like, wait, because out of all of us kids, Trina is the most responsible. Like, let's just name it. <laughs> She's the most Literally. responsible human probably in our entire extended family. I don't she know about not... that, but... <laughs> True. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. Else. Everyone else. <laughs> if you give him a couple of drinks, Trina's still responsible. <laughs> Um, would you say, Trina, like, how did that feel in retrospect? Like after it happened, how did you feel being, I'm the person that did that, executed, had that experience? It's still, it, it was freedom. It was freedom um, from 
when you put it in the context of the book from a cage, it was, mm-hmm. it was everything that moment. And that moment, I never got scared. I mean, it, nothing about that entire, there were so many crazy moments when I was away, but everything, it just kept building on itself. The, the second I pushed that button, nothing was the same since. And, you know, of mm-hmm. course you come back to reality and you have to deal with a lot of things, but I, it's like having a, a lucky um, rabbit's foot that you can't mm-hmm. lose anymore. And I feel mm-hmm. it in my hand all the time. That, that, that moment is, has given me more life than any, uh, almost anything. Uh, and I don't, I take, my kids might wonder why I'm saying that, but in, in my, in who I am as a woman, it was uh, a very big moment for me. Mm, yeah. I love that. It is. I could, it's like, it feels like a book. It's like, oh, and then she said, <laughs> right. I know you're a good storyteller. I'm like, I just, listen. and oh, but the best part, I'm sorry. I mentioned the bracelet. So Erin had given me this bracelet and she always said, you know, when, you know how so, these bracelets, they, they, they break off when so, whatever it is that's meant to manifest itself yeah. happens. And I still have the pictures. It still gives me chills and I keep them in my drawer. Um, the, I hit it and the bracelet fucking broke. I could not believe it. I, when I hit buy the tickets and I took a picture, they were all over my patio and I sent a picture to Aaron. And I'm like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Am I going to die or is this the moment of goodness? Happened, well, what was, was the, what was the bracelet or what was on it? Or was it a stone? So I think or? we bought, Aaron bought, ironically, Aaron bought me this bracelet. We went on a girl's road trip after Chris died. Um, Aaron says, I want to get it out of Dodge and we're going, we went up North and we were in some crazy shop somewhere and she bought Amy and I, and I bet, I think Izzy too, these bracelets. Mm-hmm. And so how long ago was that to the point I bought my tickets to Italy? A good, probably five years, maybe yeah, four years. Probably. And never, that thing, I couldn't, I couldn't break that thing to save my life, you know? So I was always waiting, like, what does this mean? So I still don't really know, but I just felt like Chris said, we're going on a trip and the bracelet was gone and he was on the trip with me the entire time. It was great. And Chris is uh, for our listeners is my late husband who was yeah, like the spirit of Chris. <laughs> yeah. He was critical. He died prior to this. So if anybody wants to know, usually those bracelets, how I've intended them, they break when you no longer need the energy of it. Like you've mastered it. And if anyone's interested, Kelly sells them in her shop. Invent her <laughs> healing portal. Sponsored <laughs> by Healing Portal. That I better fucking get some kickback. Plug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You got it. I'll give yes. you your five bucks later. <laughs> okay. So next question. Oh, you want to do this one or you want me yeah, to ask This it? is my okay. favorite topic. Um, Ooh. <laughs> no. Shell's been waiting this whole time to talk. Yay. <laughs> okay. Well, yay. Let's talk about sex, baby. Okay. So um, <laughs> when it comes to sex and even maybe your sexuality, right? Because I feel like that ties into the book about how Glennon was heterosexual and then she, you know, um, fell in love with a woman. So is there anything that you want to, or maybe have already been able to uncage yourself from when it comes to that topic, your, your own sexual energy? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Nobody wants to. Everyone can stay <laughs> away. I am not wearing lingerie anymore. I fucking don't like it. <laughs> I, I actually just in, in, during COVID, like I stopped wearing underwire bras um word <laughs> except today in my session with the client i have this like everyone can see it on here but this is 
I don't even know what it is. It's a super simple bra. So my boobs hang down a little bit lower than normal if I don't, if I wear an underwire bra, but I'm pretty sure my boob popped out of the bra. And I was like, <laughs> I think my nipple is out of this freaking bra. I and I, she, I, woo, I end the session, lift my shirt and I'm like, oh my God. And that like, <laughs> I'm like the the titty intuitive. That's what I should. That's my new name. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> I so, like it. But you I know that for me, that. I think I claimed <laughs> what I want to wear, what I feel sexy in. And I made it. I, and that definitely was reaffirmed in the put with the pussy book is if it's sexy to me, motherfucker, it better be sexy to you because yeah. this, this is all as far as I'm going is in my comfort. The joke I tell Carl is, if you're willing to wear it, maybe I'll wear it. You go first. And so <laughs> is our hot topic. Like that's, that's where we go. That's awesome. Great. I love the dead silence. I, I you know, I'll go. I've, I've never been, I've never felt inhibited sexually. Like I don't, I don't know what my sexuality is. I prefer men, I think, but I've dabbled in all. So mm-hmm. um, I've never really talked about that though. Like those experiences mm-hmm. are, are mine and not because I don't want to share, but because they're so special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been slandered a lot when I do talk about it. So like I tend to keep hold of it because it's that special, but Girls gone wild. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> nice. I enjoy awesome. that stuff. Yeah. Young girl. Yeah. So um, I've never felt caged there. Nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. Coming from the religious family, I'm sure people <laughs> can relate to feeling caged sexually. Um, but recently I got off birth control after 15 years. Sex drive oh. is through the roof now. Nice. I know it's amazing. <laughs> your, yeah, your body changes a lot after you go off birth control. Yeah. Also, like reading. Um, oh, it's by oh, you know the, the pastor um, Nadia Boltz Weber. She has a um, she's like this like punk rock Lutheran pastor. Oh yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's pretty cool actually, but yeah. she yeah. has this she's book. Like real talk pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like no bullshit kind of pastor yeah. and she has this book about and she asked her congregation about like all of their sexuality and it was amazing and almost like crazy how fucked up the church kind of makes you feel about mm-hmm. your sexuality you know yeah and i mean reading that book kind of helped and then obviously going off hormones totally helped so um yeah Love and I'm, so, I'm so grateful <laughs> for this like younger generation that is educating us too about that, you yeah. know, not assuming totally. things. Um, but you know, what I could say, you know, I feel comfortable talking about in terms of this subject is, you know, my husband and I have been, and I'm sure I'll get more comfortable as time goes on, but um, we've been together, gosh, we've been married, it'll be 28 years this October, but we've been together 30 some odd years. And he, we are each other's only partner that we've ever had sexually. And um, it's weird, as many of you who know the famous Kathleen from a prior podcast, you know, we grew up in a household where my parents were very 
in love and very sexual and um they you just knew that they were into each other um what, they were what humpers you, they were humpers and we heard I it we it. heard it all heard it all thank <laughs> yeah, god we didn't see it all but we definitely heard more but and not fair. like and not even like I would just say like they're not like embarrassed about it they're just like never yeah, like where no. do you think you that's awesome to the point that my dad would bring home donuts and throw them at us animals so he can go up and have sex with my mom you know <laughs> to keep us busy he'd bring up you know those big and pink it was boxes. super clear yeah. that that's what was happening like, so he was like, eat the really firefighter. Come yeah. on. Oh morning. my God. Next time I see your dad, I'm going to bring donuts. Just yes, like, throw him a donut. <laughs> absolutely. You yes. might not see him then yes. for an hour, MK. Like, you <laughs> might not, like, he'll be gone. <laughs> he'll be gone. But what's funny about sex with, you know, when I think of it with my husband is communicating wasn't something I was really, my needs. That's something that has come, uh, excuse the pun much later, you know, so to, um, speak. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. And it wasn't because of him. It was because of me, but I didn't really have, I mean, we've been together for so long. I really didn't have a vocabulary around it. So, um, you know, that's been coming into myself about, you know, saying, no, I don't want sex right now and feeling okay about that, that I'm not keeping something from him or I'm being an asshole or no, I want to have sex now, now, <laughs> you know, and be able to say that where a lot of times I wouldn't do that. You know, it was always around his schedule, not because he made it that way is because I allowed that to be created between us. And, um, so a lot of that has changed and we're still growing in that, but he's open to it. I mean, he's open to whatever the hell I want. So I just have to be better at saying what I want. <laughs> I've noticed that, yeah, if the women bring it up to the men, they're going to be more open to talking about it because guaranteed they're mm -hmm. thinking about it, but they're, they're afraid how you're going to react most likely if they bring yeah. it up. Right. So I will say there's something to be said about learning from other women and then the men learn from pornos. Like, I know that's like super, <laughs> yeah, all right. That? I right. Like it's not they real. Don't share no. because they don't share no. with each other. Like we do. We yeah. learn and they don't get emotional about the stuff because sex can be a very emotional thing also, right? It brings up a lot of, it's very intimate. And mm -hmm. yeah, there, I just don't think men are supported in doing that with each other. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. It's a level of, of being vulnerable and, mm -hmm. you know, men just, that doesn't come to them natural. And us yeah. too, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's definitely a practice. To, to be that way yeah it is what did it were you guys alive during the 93 earthquake was it the 93 earthquake the big yeah. one mm -hmm. and my mother-in-law lives in northridge and um so we had to we drove through we had to go through the whole process it was like a war zone we get to her house and we're helping her clean up and i'd already i had always heard about some mystical porn stash that my father-in-law had but never you know, it was just this myth of, of what, of this existing and boy, that earthquake shook it out. It was everywhere. It was an amazing oh my God. But that, but what you're saying <laughs> is true. That was how Babe. my husband was educated on it. Cause his family didn't speak at all about it. You know, right. and that's where he, that's where he learned, you know, so it, we had to teach each other and it's just taken us a long time to get there, but we're getting there. But that's kind of beautiful too. If you think about it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was learning and growing together. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. So this is a perfect lead in to uh, our next question is Glennon. Um, oh, did I miss my. Oh, it's not a lead in. Hold are on. You, I'm are, you back. Sk- are you skipping? Skip you can you can ask the questions. Since it's weak. That's fine. OK, go ahead. So I'm going to jump around for a second. Just go in there. Yeah, uncage yourself. Don't ask permission. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, why are you trying to pretend you can't can't be caged? You're a goddamn Um, cheetah. (laughs) You're a goddamn cheetah. You are a goddamn cheetah. (laughs) Um, So she talks about, remember when in the first part, she talks about walking into the room and asking her son. She has three kids, son being the oldest, and said, hey, is anyone hungry? And it was a mixed group of boys and girls, teenagers. And she said... (sighs) She does such a great job of explaining it. And I definitely yeah. love to know what Kayla's thinks too, because she's a teacher. Um, but is she walks in and says, who's hungry? And she says, the boys individually look up and identify who's hungry. Me, not me, whatever. She goes, the girls look up and look at each other. And she's like, some communication is happening. And then eventually <laughs> one spokesgirl says, no, we're good. And she's like, I don't know what happened. But as she started like sitting with it, she's like, I, it's like we've been socialized as women to look outside of ourselves for what to do, how to feel, what to be, where boys have been socialized to continue looking inside themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious if you've had, um, oh, and then she talks about like, which has made us hungry females. We're mm-hmm. hungry because we keep mm-hmm. looking outside ourselves like, is it time to eat rather than I'm fucking hungry. I want to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, did that land for anyone? Oh my so God. Bad. Absolutely. That was 100%. such a piece. Go Kelly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What, what landed Kelly. about it for you, yeah. Kelly? It just is, I could, I could visualize myself doing exactly that. The guys mm-hmm. don't even take their eyes off of the TV. Yeah, hungry. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a, a, of course, you know, it's okay mm-hmm. for me to be hungry. And the women like, Whoa, what, what, what will we look, you know, I could just feel it. Mm-hmm. I could just feel it. It, it was so right on. And to have her illustrate it. I mean, it's something I knew on some level, but for her to, you know, describe it, I just went, Holy crap. Yes. And yeah. I, and I still do it. <laughs> you know, I still do it. And you're a person who's like blown up your whole life, moved into a different career. Like you're, you're in what one of my mentors would call the, like, I don't give a fuck stage. Like, right. Like you're, you're too old to like, right. Like she was like, you're going to love menopause, Michelle, because you won't give a fuck. Cause you just say, start saying you don't care. Right. (laughs) I can't that happen sooner. (laughs) <laughs> right, and, so you're like, and you're like, if I'm still thinking that, how is that? Like, what hope is there for this? <laughs> this twenty-year-old, this fifteen-year-old, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, it's just echoes and whispers of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just the little reverberations from before. But it's amazing how deep-seated and pervasive that was. Mm-hmm. At least when I was drawing, mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, absolutely, I, I. I feel that strongly. I'm with you. How do we stop it? (laughs) (laughs) How do we knock the domino over so that they don't come back up, you know? Yeah. 
break the cycle. We, you just keep yeah. living it. You know, so, you keep being the model for it. So keep yeah. Living. <laughs> yeah, so keeping I don't go hungry. I <laughs> and you pivot. You pivot. You catch yourself and go, oh wait. I mean, you just pivot. That's yeah. the only mm-hmm. way you can change anything that's that deeply ingrained is you catch it, you'd be loving with yourself. Whoops. That's not me, because that isn't you. That was societal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you make it, you choose again. Kayla, well, were you gonna say because she works with teenagers? Oh. Yeah. Right. I would well, it was something that Bethany just said that um, oh gosh, what was it that you just said? We need to model it or model. Oh, yeah, was, be the model. <laughs> yeah, be the model. So so that's where I was like, dang it. Um so that that's the thing. It's um I I, I found this to be very um exact for me because I teach high schools uh, mainly juniors and seniors and I'm a culinary arts teacher so in my class Mm. we are cooking and we're eating so I see this happen all the time Um, you know where the guys will not care and they'll go to town and they'll be whatever and then there's always the girls that are a little bit like because we work in groups so they always want to kind of put their best foot forward you know and they always want to be like no 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 I'll just have a little bit or none at all and so I feel like I need to lead by example you know, like I am this, I am a culinary teacher. I am a chef, you know, I'm a woman in this industry who that alone is, you know, it's usually a male dominated industry. So just showing them that you Mm -hmm. can do this, but then also just being encouraging and making light of things too. It's like, I just feel like I, my job as an educator to be around these young people are to kind of pull them out of these norms that we get put in at this young age. And so I, I like to think that oftentimes at the beginning of the year when kids are a little bit more standoffish and, and more um, nervous to try things or to open themselves up, I can see them through the year gradually become more open and open. And, you know, that's really, that's my whole goal in the whole year. It's like, it's great if you learn how to cook in my class, but mainly it's, it's I want to see you grow as a person and become more comfortable with yourself and getting to see teenagers at that level learn about themselves in a dynamic like that it's 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 um it's rewarding when I can see it happen I wish you were my teacher I know yeah I don't you want to be in that class I want to be in a class yeah it's been a little oh sorry I was just gonna say no go during COVID that during COVID times, you know, teaching this subject has been, you know, very different because I haven't been able to see the kids firsthand like I normally Mm. do. And right now we've been back into um, in-person hybrid teaching for three weeks. And I can just tell you that, you know, three weeks ago, everybody was like, there were zombies coming back, you know, just very closed off, shelled off to themselves. And we're like three weeks in and now I can kind of see them coming alive in class. And I forgot, I forgot how much that feeds me. You know, I forgot how much seeing that just fills my cup because my cup was definitely depleted during this time. And so just seeing them even this in these short three weeks open up just a tiny bit, it is pretty cool. I was thinking, I remember too, and I don't remember this Trina, but I remember my family saying like, oh, boys eat more. Like, oh, save some for the boys. Like, I remember being a kid thinking I can't take too much because my brother, who's like almost three years younger, 
should get more because some because his penis says so. <laughs> no, like, I didn't. I didn't remember that because you guys were closer in age and yeah. kind of. But I do remember it being. You just, yeah, you just you didn't. It wasn't that they said you couldn't eat as much. There just wasn't. You know, you had to share. There's a lot of sharing, yeah. and but I think where I got mine was definitely socially more than anything else. It was you know to speak up and say you want more probably when you were a kid, when there wasn't going to be more, mm-hmm. would get you maybe in trouble or embarrass your parents, you know, or, and then as you get older, you're picking a salad when you go on a date versus that fucking steak that you want, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. I know right? it's crazy. It's crazy that we do that. I don't, I don't understand yeah. it, but I did that. I'm with Kelly, that, that chapter was like, holy shit. <laughs> that is so right on, yeah. right on. I grew up in a, with my grandmother, who's like one of my favorite people on this planet still, even though she's 92 and um, crazy as hell. Um, I had that psychological effect and I forget what it's called, where she would make you all this food and expect you to eat it. But then say, Mary, look, Mary, you look like you gained 10 to 15 pounds. Uh, Oh my God. You know what I'm talking about though, where it's like, it's like, there's this, I'm loving you by making you food. Sorry, Kayla, I'm bringing this up because you just reminded me. <laughs> but like, I love you, so I'm making you this food, but also you need to lose weight. So it's like this very strange conflict that I've, I do not have a good relationship with food because of stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think I think it's interesting with COVID because some people might've kept their same weight. I did not. And I have a lot of clients who have either a gained weight or their muscle mass, like body shifted. Did you guys see the Will Smith post of his body? (laughs) And I was like, he, so it's this picture that came out, I think today or yesterday of Will Smith by a pool by in his backyard, probably that's 500 acres. And he's got, he got tummy. He doesn't have pecs. He, and he said like, this is the truth. This is what I am not. I don't like what he said. He said, I'm in the worst shape in my life. I felt like, mm-hmm. well, you're in not a muscular shape. That's definitely, yeah, there. Oh, Thank wow. you, MK. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know wow. if you guys can see All it. Right. But yeah, Let's I see, see it. Oh, that's. And yeah. I, what I He's love a- about belly. Oh, wow. COVID is not that I want to like, yeah, that was the one. Nice. That's the oh, one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and what I felt like one of the things with COVID is kind of putting like I just had a couple clients this last week or like I've never had an issue with weight now I gained this extra weight and I'm like well welcome welcome to the bus like right. <laughs> and I don't want you to suffer but I but it's nice to see there's sometimes a little bit of a compassion building towards other people and like I feel like with Will Smith it's like this guy that's known for his body is like mm-hmm. yeah me too yeah normalize it yeah yeah. So, um, so it's interesting. So I've had a complicated relationship with my body, like my whole life, just to Michelle. And, um, but I've, I've often gotten like a lot of attention for my body when it's in its good shape. <laughs> and it's, and it's funny because as you get older, so I'm like 48 now. And it's funny because I noticed this shift that's happening just in general, like in life, because as you get older, like there's, that is true. Like, I mean, JLo notwithstanding, it's like, 
there's a <laughs> there's a different shift that happens and it's like sometimes I'll be like do you guys know how hot I am when you're walking right you see the different people looking at you than the people 10 years ago looking at yeah. you yeah, yeah. It's like, do you, have you still got like, it though. Right. It. And it's like, but then sometimes you've got like, we always used to joke my, my girlfriends and I from like graduate school, we would joke. I didn't go to a traditional college. So my real college experience was when I went to graduate school for social work. So my girlfriends from there, like, it's like, we used to call it the sex vibe. I have this like sex vibe. Like, it's like, I'm not trying to like, you're not trying to leave me alone with your husband, right? Like, I was like, I've got this kind of like, like, that, that is just how I am. I was like, I'm a, I'm, I'm comfortable with my sexuality. I'm like, and, but as I'm getting older, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like, okay, so I'm seeing, like, Kelly, do you know, you have a sex vibe too, I get that. You start oh, becoming invisible. It's so bizarre. I think it's, it's so weird. It is. It is so strange. Because I used to be able to turn the heads. I'm just walking, right? And then, oh, and then I'd day, be like, "Am I not getting free shit? What is happening?" Yeah. Wait till you get gray. You get even more invisible. <laughs> Care. No. I've been with Kelly where she has said like, okay, I'm great, but did you not see this? What is like, are you fucking like, yeah, there's like, and but she's gotten mad. Remember when your mom, so Erin and Trina's mom a few years ago decided she was going to go gray. This was before mm. everybody went gray during COVID, right? And she was like, I'm going to go gray. And she's my, my godmother and I like a very close person to me. And I was like, I don't think you want to do that. Like I felt like very concerned about her, like making this decision, you know. And she looks fantastic, and she can yeah, no. own her Amazing. sexuality. Obviously, she was in your like own your pussy pussy group. Yeah, like, seventy and in, in a pussy group. I mean, Ayo. like like there's nothing, no moss growing on that person. But like, I'm not pussy. I love Bethany's reaction. They're just so great. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, last question. So I'm so curious about this one because I love that Glennon called it out. So at the end, um, she talks about her husband. She's like, I wrote this book, her last book, and I was talking about family, my memoir, and then the asshole fucks up my story and he says he's been having affairs she goes i couldn't decide did he fuck up my life was i more upset about that or did he fuck up my story and i thought like mind blown like oh my gosh and it really made me do a little bit of a little bit of a self audit of like where have i been upset with someone because we looked good or my story around it or because I was authentically hurt. So I was just curious, I want to throw that out. Have any of you had that experience with someone or have you fucked up their story <laughs> or happy ending? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go. So a few years ago, I dated someone, this was after my separation. Um, and like, I was in a pretty vulnerable place in my life, but like, we kind of, 
fell in love like immediately. And I was in a place where I was doing a lot of transformation and changes in my life. And it was like, I was ready to find the one, right? Like my, my marriage didn't work out. So I really wanted to find someone who was going to be the one for me. And, and then he breaks up with me and I was, I think it was a combination of both for one. I, I felt humiliated. I just kept feeling like, cause like I took him, I introduced him to people and like, you know, he was a, met my family and I just felt humiliated. Like, I don't know, that's what came up. So I don't know if it was like, he fucked up my story or if I was also authentically hurt. I, it was a combination. Why were you humiliated? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't really explain those feelings other than that's just what I felt. Cause sometimes I think I wonder if people are like, this is the one, oh, and really mm. enrolls their community. And then the, that yeah. one goes, right. oh, I, oh, no, I'm not. Right, exactly. I felt yeah. like that about this book. I felt like if Glennon and Abby break up, does that like wreck her whole story? I know. Like, that's <laughs> gonna write a series. Like, they really have to stay together. Oh, right? no. I know. Right. I'm break it. Now. It's a broken rainbow. <laughs> I know. And it's gonna be three part book. So it's many people like, will be so sad. I would again so sad. They've they've like they're invested on Instagram. They're invested on like TED Talks. Like they're amazing. They, they will ruin my story. Way. I felt the same way about J Lo and. A Rod breaking up. Oh, and like, um, who recently? Bill and Lee and Bill yeah, and Linda Gates. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. Stop what the Stop hell? It. I, I took that like, <gasps> like I a personal really affront, right? Yeah, it was a little like, fuck, if they can't make it, quarantine huh? will make you realize if you're going to stay together or not, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, Aaron just said it. Like, I, I feel like those t- type of couples, like, that you kind of look up to in a way when they do expire, you're just like, oh no, what's going to happen to me? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's over. When's That's my expiration date? When, when Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt broke up, ah. one of my girlfriends, Kate's husband, uh, Aaron and Trina know Kate and Tony, he said, you guys don't know them. Like, <laughs> together. I know, right? Yeah. We all pretend like we know what happens in their relationship. Yeah. <laughs> we were distraught like we knew them. <laughs> he was like, you don't even know them. But that's, that's I think, breaking. a good point to what we're talking about is like, it's a story, right? We create the story around mm. people or even someone in our life. And are we actually seeing them for who they are? Or are they just part of our story? And, and you know, is it actually, is it actual connection or is it just, they're playing a part? You know, no, how much do you know people in real life that you know them in real life and then you see them on Instagram or something and you're like, that is that's not, not you. Actually, yeah. Right? Mm. Jordan, right? You're like, yeah, no, that's not you. There. That didn't happen. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. Or, or you're, yeah, or you don't look that good. Say that. You don't look that good. <laughs> <laughs> say that. That's yeah, the a filter. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's you a were crying to me yeah. all day, and you put on a smile for Instagram. I, what is going on? X-Men My favorite is. Like- Oh wait, who's talking? I was. It's fine. That's cool. No, go Jordan. Go. Jordan. I was. Gonna, my favorite is when they like complain about their husbands or their partners, and then like not even twenty four hours later, they write like this beautiful thing. On, like Facebook yeah or yeah tribute and you're like what the fuck you just wanted to divorce him <laughs> strangle him uh, hashtag bliss oh, <laughs> <hashtag list. laughs> oh god you know uh, I, I felt the same way when my business partner so I had a business partner and then she said like I don't want to be your partner anymore anymore and that was the closest I've ever come from 
with divorce. And I remember being like, what the fuck? Like the feeling rejected, but at the same time embarrassed. But I think I also was struggling with my own. Why did I choose you? Because I have a big thing about loyalty and like, and I think coming from parents who've been married for forever, you know, the only way my husband could leave me, he had to die. Like, it's just like, you have to like extreme. And I just remember being like questioning my own, like, how could I have not figured this out? So I, there was a level of my own story of how it should be. And she's mm-hmm. fucking going apes, going another direction. And I think it was both upset with her, but upset with me for choosing her. Yeah. Which took me a while to unpack too. Like, that's you Girl, that was the best decision that was ever made for you though. Oh. <laughs> Thank but you. But I think that's how I felt. I felt that way when I when he broke up with me, right? Was why I was embarrassed or humiliated was because mm. I was like, how could I have trusted someone who turned out to be not as invested as I was? You know, yeah. It, make, yeah. it makes you question yourself, like right. Which I think that sucks. When you start questioning yourself and you're like, did I listen to my gut? What are you talking about? Right. And especially for me, I was like, I've been doing all this work on listening to my own intuition and do and following my gut. And this is what it led me to like, (laughs) but clearly I needed to (laughs) No, Well, I needed it. It, I was, yeah, I needed that for sure, but it wasn't the healthiest relationship. (laughs) Now that I look at it. (laughs) And I think this is where she's going to start launching into part two is this conversation about inner knowing. And what does that mm-hmm. look like? So I, I think that's what we'll begin to read. Did ever, okay, here, I'm going to call you out. Did everyone read part one? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I read it well, twice. Just Did I be... not tell you we picked the perfect group for this? <laughs> yeah. The other the group Pussy was group, not. <laughs> we were like hot messes. No... Everyone was everywhere where they were not supposed to be or worse. You know, it was like. A group two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you guys are doing it right. You're doing it right. <laughs> this was gonna get Kathleen. Read, they're gonna read the fucking book. First group. <laughs> no, the second time we meet for the panel, you guys are gonna rip up. I'm, I'm not fucking answering these questions. That's not my authentic self, you bitch. Like, <laughs> I'm like oh. all right. I will say that she's like an easy read. And I don't mean like, it's just like very digestible and (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know how there's some self books out there that are just like, I have to read everything four times to Mm -hmm. saturate, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Eckhart Tolle, I listened to because oh, I was like, he's like, hard to listen to for me. His oh, voice, his voice what puts me to sleep. I'm like, and then you look at him and you're like, I had fantasies about him and then I saw him I was like oh oh that's what I've been like I made him like this sexy James Bond and I was like I hope everybody knows what Eckhart Tolle looks like as you say this out loud he looks like a thumb he looks like a thumb I feel like if there is a video version of this there needs to be a picture like I know right right here just google Eckhart Tolle you'll know who I fantasize about and um, (laughs) (laughs) I've got a kink that goes in a very unique direction your business Aaron (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing she's attracted to brains not physical <laughs> beauty <laughs> well it has been an absolute pleasure so this is part one of a four-part series right yeah 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 so we will read part two and we'll be back thank you everyone for listening thank you panelists for joining us on our wild and messy book club 
And join us on Facebook, which is Wild and Messy Book Club Reading Untamed. Did I get that right, yes, Bethany? I think so. I, I'll have to double check, but the link will be in the wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, that too. Here, why am I talking? Why do shut up? Bethany, close us out because I'll fuck it up. I don't know. Okay, yeah. So join the Facebook group and follow us on Instagram <laughs> and all that stuff. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, Bye. ladies. Bye. Good night. Good night.